Hello, I'm Will Yeoman and welcome to another episode of The Pod Well Travelled, where I'm joined today by our wonderful travel editor, Stephen Scarfield. Stephen, welcome to the show. Oh, hi, Will. So, yeah, the game's on. Yeah, the game is on. Monday, um, yesterday, Monday, February the 21st, of course, was the day that, um, you know, Australia sort of opened to the world and there was a a big influx. I mean, there's been just a massive amount of booking going on. Um, I must say that tourism uh, bodies around Australia have been sort of talking about uh, international arrivals and tourists, but of course we all know that that, that that's predominantly visiting friends and family. You know, Mm, there's mm. there's youngsters coming back and grandparents coming over and all those sorts of things. And Um, we've been seeing all those images on the the news, haven't we, with with the... That's right. Mm. Yes, it is. It is to do with friends and family mm. in this first first instance. We, but we're looking, and I was just looking at the top three arrivals, um, which are UK uh, countries from which they've come: a UK, India, and Nepal. So um, there's a lot of uh, travel travel coming in, of course. Um, and search for flights has been just extraordinary to come back to Australia. Um, just you know, massive sort of percentage increases. So we're we're looking at that sort of March the third, when Western Australia's borders open. Of course, the same thing will happen here, where mm. there'll be a lot of people, uh, you know, dying to get home and see friends and family here, and there'll be a lot of people here dying to get out and see friends and family elsewhere. Of course, because that applies to the whole of Australia. Of course, I mean the borders are open, and. You know, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the audience will have their own stories about trying to see grandkids in Melbourne two or three or four times and having to cancel and mm. postpone and those sorts of things. So everybody's pretty well dying to do that sort of stuff. Um, it, just just as a sidebar, it, it brings a, a, an interesting challenge for lots of us in Western Australia because we are looking at a period of... Um, you know, probably extended visits from friends and family. Indeed. Um, when we, we turn into the tour guide. So I will just mention that over the next uh, few weeks to months, we'll be, we'll, we're very aware of that, that it's quite challenging sometimes to have, you know, people in your home sort of saying, well, what are we going to do tomorrow? And I'm, I guess <laughs> a lot of us have experienced that. Well, so we'll have lots of ideas for that as well. Well, I was going to say, this is a good point to mention. I should have mentioned this earlier, that we're going to have our, our other colleagues on the show later on. It's uh, Jeffrey Thomas, our aviation editor, and uh, Moens Johansson. They're, they've got some exciting news about what's been going on up at East Kimberley and also yeah, some other sure options have. for people to travel within WA. So yeah, some good ideas sure there straight have. away. They sure have. And, um, you know, I mean, we'll just see flights around the state increasing. We're also sort of waiting for this new airline, Bonza, mm, uh, which indeed. announced schedules. We had news of their schedules last week, which just talked about, of course. Yes. Um, but they, you know, we're sort of waiting for them to announce those sorts of schedules around WA as well, which probably involved Bustleton, for example. Um, we're just, we're also just reinvigorating. We're going to do a flight, direct flight from, um, as a West Travel Club project, a flight from Albany to Uluru, mm. which is kind of mixing things up a bit as well. So, yes, there's going to be a lot going on over the next uh, few weeks and months. And of course, we're also, you know, I mean, that's just the, the more practical side of visiting friends and family. But um, the rest of us, you know, will be, I mean, we, we all know from our own contacts and watching around the world, you know, 
so much of the world is mask free and quarantine free and just going about everyday life mm, um, mm. That, that you know COVID is, is not the biggest story in the world in most places you know it's and, Russia and Ukraine is the biggest and, story in the world. well unless you're the queen of course it's it's a pretty big story unless you're the queen <laughs> but she's working through it she like, is isn't that an example yeah, to all example. of us yeah I mean, I mean also so just looking one one other point I'll make is that um I'm just watching Jetstar just announced um, that they're scheduling flights to Bali from Melbourne and Sydney right. from March the 15th. Yes. And of course, you know, I guess I'm looking at the those July school holidays because we'll go through, here in Western Australia, we'll go through this, presumably go through the Omicron wave in a similar model pattern to other places over um, March and April. Mm. You know, so, you know, looking forward to the July holidays, which is sort of five months, four or five months away, five months away, um, you know, we're looking at a pretty, pretty lot of pressure for flights to be installed there. I know Jeff's watching that as well. We, we discussed it yesterday. So we're sort of, you know, it, we're, it's a bit early, but, you know, we're waiting for the day when uh, flights renounce between Perth and Bali, which will happen. Bali, they've just changed. They had a five-day quarantine period, which has just changed to three days. Yes. And we understand sort of behind the scenes that there's a lot of pressure there to um, get rid of the quarantine and to reinstate the free visa on arrival, um, which West Australians have really Mm. loved. So, Mm. you know, behind the scenes, there's there's pressure building there, obviously, as well, as as it has been here. Well, that's amazing. Um, Now... Maybe we'll hear from Moen's first as exciting news coming out of Lake Argyle Resort, which has recently been sold. So here's Moen's talking to former owner Charlie Sharp. I guess, first of all, congratulations on the deal, but it must have been a difficult decision to sort of walk away from something that's been such a big part of your life. Yeah, mate, it is very, very, very mixed feelings. Um, obviously, no, it's more than just a business for us. It's a, it was a home for me for most of my life. So, um, no, we went through a fairly thorough process talking to a lot of different people and we engaged a, a company called Nash Advisory to to um, you know, give us a bit of a hand and direct us in the right right um, direction. Yeah. A, a big part of our decision to get out was that whoever, whoever took it on had the capacity and the ability and the will and means to... Uh, to, uh, to continue what we what we plan to do with the new restaurant and the, uh, the, the Infinity Lagoon and some new accommodation, so uh, while while also keeping it a, a, a affordable for everybody, so that that was the plan. Um, we we were very fortunate in the fact that there was a lot of interest. And we had you know, I think fourteen different parties have a good look at it, and uh, of which we received nine offers. So um, oh, that's that that's was, a that's a credit to you and 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 what you've done up there, I guess. Yeah, well, it is a fantastic site, and I think you know, before we we did what we've done, it was uh, a lot of people didn't realise the potential of what was there. And you know, we've by building the pool and clearing the top of the hill and building those villas, it sort of really exposed how good the site is, and um, you know, and and the associated activities of working with you know, third party operators and you know, the Heli Spirit and the boat cruise operators and Triple J tours and uh, the, the float plane guys in the lake, you know, and the plus adding all the free stuff, the bushwalks, the fishing. It was really. Um, Really, probably highlighted you know, that that's a one-stop shop. You can pretty well have a whole holiday like Argyle. It's a destination now more than just a stopover. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 
So, um, I mean, you said earlier that, you know, it's obviously been tough for the last couple of years with COVID and all that sort of stuff. Was that a sort of major factor in the decision or uh, was it something that was on the cards sort of before that? Oh, look, I've got to be honest, we, we went in there in, in 04, 05 with a five-year plan and that, that blew out to 15 years before we decided to move on. Um, no, COVID was the trigger that actually pushed us to, to actually you know, activate a, a plan to get out. Um, no, the exit strategy was always in the back of our minds, but we were pretty attached to the business and the location. And no, the, the, the fact that we, you know, my wife's from Queensland and... As we all know, Brisbane is as close to Lake Argyle as Perth is, and we we chose to to take the route of putting the kids in school in Queensland, and then along came COVID about the same time. So no, that really added a fairly specific dimension to uh, our lives. You no know, split between family and business, and and getting in and out of WA has been an absolute nightmare now for over two years. Yeah, yeah. So no, that was a catalyst to uh, you know, middle of last year. As much as last year had its good moments, it was also very, very mentally challenging. And you know, by sort of September last year, or even earlier, you know, after that June 26, when they announced that the border was closing, um, you know that the pressure that put on us mentally, um, from, from a business point of view, and, and from travelling back and forth with family and from family holidays coming back to Lake Argyle, you know, the fatigue that created mentally was just a tipping point, and that. that Pretty well. I would say June 26th last year was the turning point to make us uh, consider getting out sooner than later. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, because it's been such a big part of your life, I mean, uh, that you must have many sort of favourite memories. And uh, I guess, I mean, another question for you is what would you miss most about Kananara and Lake Argyle? Oh, just the raw landscape, mate. As, uh, no, we've, we've had this discussion a few times in the past that no, the, the landscape of the Kimberley, especially the East Kimberley, no, it's, a, it's a billion years old and, or over a billion years old. And uh, no, as a human, you just become insignificant. So as much as Lake Argyle is great, and no, just, we had great plans and the new owners have got great plans for Lake Argyle, whatever's done there will never will never surpass the grandeur of the actual landscape itself. Um, no, and, and by adding, by damning the order, they've created an absolute unique landscape that has everything. It's, uh, it's got the wealth of the earth as well as, uh, I know it's, it's made by man in some sense, but the, the natural landscape is is very unique and uh, that might, no, saddest part, driving out will be putting out behind us, but no, we'll, we'll be back up there regularly. We've got lots of friends in town, family, lifelong friends. Yeah. Um, our kids grew up there. I grew up there as a kid myself. So you know, we'll we'll always return, get out in the lake. It'll actually be quite nice. I just mentioned to someone today when COVID first came along, the family spent three months at Lake Argyle in, in winter with no tourists and no visitors, which was absolutely it was drastic for business. But <laughs> yeah, it was actually a very surreal existence. And to go back and be a visitor without the pressures of trying to run the business um, is something we look forward to, and and we'll probably do that. I'd say. Once or twice a year, if, if not more, or um, it'll, it'll probably wane off after time. But yeah, certainly, certainly always going to have a piece of the heart stuck in a Ghibli. Yeah, yeah. So you, you've been there since uh, 2004, isn't it? Uh, since you um, started the, the business there. Is that right? We were awarded the contract in October 04 for taking over on the 1st of March 05. So we, we got the keys in March 05. The place was pretty well abandoned and shut down. Um, after many owners um, over, the, over the 25 years leading up to that and uh, got to a stage because of tenure problems and the, and the condition of the property that you know, the, the last owners walked away from it. 
and uh, the government put it out the tender and we, we won that tender in 04 with, with that handover in March 05. But uh, yeah. we originally landed there with a the family back in uh, August 73, um, with Dad also doing time in Kandara in 62 and 63 with the Diversion Dam in Kandara Construction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a long, long association, and uh, I guess you know from what I've uh, I've heard, you know, uh, before you guys took over, I mean, it was a pretty rundown place, wasn't it? Yeah, 04 was actually on the front of a caravan camping magazine as Australia's worst caravan park, and at the time it was actually owned by the West Australian Tourist Commission, now now Tourism Bigger Way, and um, no, they were trying desperately to get out of it. Um, and uh, there's a sort of miscommunication with government on why it was in that state, but it was purely based on tenure. Um, no, some big companies, big organisations had tenure over the years, and my mum ran it for 20 years for uh, what ended up being Acor Hotels. Um, no, they bought out the smaller group that, that had the lease. But uh, nobody could get decent tenure, and uh, we, we pushed very hard through our family tour business that, that um, my brother and mum and dad set up in the in the early 90s, um, they started doing the cruises and you know, we pushed very, very hard for government to, to you know, sort out the tenure and get some decent decent um, timeframes in there and that's what they did and put it to tender and, and we obviously then put in for it. Yeah, yeah, great. So what's next for you and your family? Oh, recovery now, just uh, getting over um, no, the effort. Well, oh, no, I'll give these guys a hand for a bit. Initially, um, it's a complex business and not, not something you can walk into, especially with the current you know, labour challenges and and um, you know, the disruption caused by the ongoing border situation. So I'll give them a hand for a little bit of start. I will be back and forth a bit, but no, generally it's all about the family now. Focus on, on my wife and kids and um, get them through school for the next sort of six or seven years. Yeah, yeah. And um, not, not very keen to take anything on the hurry. I think uh, we've, the last 17 years is... I, I, I was just. I woke up and worked, and, and I went to bed working as well. So uh, yeah, it'd be yeah. nice to wake up and think, "What am I going to do today?" It'll be a, a nice, great thought. Yeah, I remember in the past when I've been up there, and uh, you are a hard man to catch. There's always something on the go. <laughs> yeah, we, look, we had an incredible growth run, and I'm sure it'll continue. Uh, we averaged seventeen percent growth for seventeen years. So no, our, our operation. Our number of guests and turnover in a week these days is more than what we used to do in a year uh, when we first took the business on. So, you know, that's, that's incredible growth. And, you know, it's, it's not just from what we've done. The landscape's the attraction and we've just made it more accessible and, and put servers in to, to accommodate and host the numbers. And, look, you know, it's a, it's a part of the reason of moving on is it, it, it will truly become a, a monster business up there. And you know, the Kimberley itself is such an iconic part of the world. Now, I really think once COVID sort of slips into our memory, the people in the world are going to want to see the Kimberley. It's ancient, it's it's sparsely populated, it's spectacular, it's safe. Um, so I think there's a, a as, as much as it was a, my favourite place in the world to be, it's hard watching so many people sort of you know, cross your backyard every day and that, that was part of the, the reason that we created the monster and it was probably our time to, to move on and let somebody else come in that can control the monster. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Well, um, I wish you all the best for the future and uh, thank you for what you've built. It's truly a spectacular place, isn't it? It's fantastic. Oh, thank you, mate. And thank you for your support over the years. You guys have been great. Now yourself and Stephen Scarfield regularly getting up and keeping in touch, and especially through COVID. Now you guys were instrumental in getting us a bit of uh, an, an ear oh, um, down south and 
I absolutely appreciate your support through the years and uh, the fact that you've been telling people all about Lake Argyle. So, yeah, man. Oh, it's, 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 it's our pleasure. Okay, now you, you, I'm assuming that you are a not infrequent visitor to Lake Argyle Resort, Stephen. No, I've past. been going to, yes, look, I've, in fact, I've known the Sharp family for, you know, let's say 30 years. Um, wow. <laughs> wow. In fact, that's um, dating you. I, I was, <laughs> uh, yeah. um, I was in the Kimberley with the Sharp family when they were, fishing for what became known as Silver Cobbler, which okay. is catfished right. in Lake Argyle in the 1980s. They did a story on that. Right. I was up there with a photographer called Rod Taylor, and we were out on the boat catfishing, catching as many freshwater crocodiles as we were Silver Cobbler, let's say, as it became known. So we go, yeah, I go way back with the Sharp family. So, yeah, it's a real shift of era. But certainly watching the Gaudet group, um, you know, buying, we've, we've been covering this recently. They just bought one of the caravan park mm. territory. Mm. And really, um, kind of, it, it, it has a less corporate feel to the way they're going about it, the way Grant's going about it, uh, picking up caravan parks and wonderful properties like this. So all, all of our best wishes to Charlie. Um, the only thing I'm sad about is that there was always this plan to have a sort of Olympic style kayak course come down the spillway. Oh, Charlie yes. and I have stood in disgust. <laughs> obviously, I don't think that's ever going to happen. So that dream goes as well. <laughs> well, to be replaced by many other dreams, let, let's say. Now, we, we just heard mention too about some of the ways people might like to travel there. And this is where Jeffrey Thomas comes in. Um, what, what's Jeffrey going to be talking to us about? Yeah, well, this is incredible. Mm. I mean, and, and in the same way, we, we've just, you know, heard about, you know, the Sharp family and Charlie in particular being so innovative in the Kimberley. Yes. And the Kimberley's always been a pretty good um, backdrop for that, you know, upon which you can paint your own story. And uh, certainly Michael Conachie, um, who's a real Cunanaro chap, you know, I mean, I knew Michael when he was a contractor, I think, um, okay. before even before he set up some apartments there. so But, I mean, wow, what a forward-thinking man to be moving into electric flight. Um, extraordinary story, as Jeffrey will tell us. Mm, no, absolutely. Well, let's hear from Jeffrey now. Right, so, Jeffrey Thomas, welcome back to the pod Well Travelled. Pleasure. Great to be here. Now, very exciting news. Avier and Halley Spirit um, in, in a fabulous ecotourism e-flying partnership, if you want to call it that. Look, indeed. it's uh, Eve is a, uh, the name of a company which has been set up by the Brazilian aircraft manufacturer Embraer. Mm. Um, and Embraer airplanes have been flying in and around Australia for years. Uh, terrific manufacturer. Um, uh, great, uh, great products. Uh, very high attention to detail, and they've evolved, they've developed a all electric um, platform, which is both a helicopter and a conventional aircraft uh, carrying four passengers plus a pilot. Um, and these uh, aircraft, uh, fifty of them have been up to fifty have been ordered by uh, Heli Spirit and uh, AVR, uh, based in the uh, northwest. And they are going to use these aircraft as a tourism platform to replace fixed wing, some fixed wing assets and helicopters, mm. um, not altogether, but um, partially, um, and also extend their operations uh, 
throughout Western Australia, including Perth. So uh, very exciting stuff. Absolutely. And it comes at such an interesting time. We've just had our international borders open to travellers. And as of March the 3rd, Western Australia will put its, bring its border down. So um, this is, as you say, a pretty exciting time to be embarking on this kind of project for perhaps interstate and even international visitors in the future. Oh, look, indeed. And, and uh, one of the things about these um, electric or electric aircraft, first of all, of course, they're environmentally uh, tick all the boxes. Yes. Um, but they're also, they sit basically on the ground or lower right down on the ground. So wheelchair access is very simple for these. They also feature magnificent uh, big panoramic windows. So from a point of view of um, a view, stunning views. Um, and in, in operation, they're almost silent, so there's not the sort of noise from the engines as well, vibration-free as well. So, you know, from a point of view of a tourism viewing element, uh, really exciting, um, and uh, they're in development now, and they'll be flying about 2026, so not too far away, mm. and you'll be able to take a um, magnificent all-electric um, trip around the Kimberleys or around Perth or Esperance uh, and a variety of other places as well. How amazing. So by that time, uh, travel will well and truly have settled down to near pre-pandemic levels, I'm guessing. Look, indeed, that, that's the number that, 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 in fact, you're absolutely spot on there, Will. Um, 2025 is the uh, date that, that the industry believes that travel will res- return to pre-COVID conditions. In other mm. words, no restrictions anywhere in the world. Mm. Travel, everything will return to normal. I mean, obviously travel is going to start and, and is starting well before that, but there are there are restrictions depending on where you want to go. Some places are not restricted. Other ones do have restrictions. So, you know, and I think those restrictions getting onto travel, uh, those restrictions are going to come down very, very quickly as uh, governments and health authorities understand more about Omicron and also our um, stocks of our, our armoury uh, with the, you know, the different vaccinations, the different pills and, and whatnot uh, as that armoury grows and grows. Um, so the confidence will also grow. Mm, no, absolutely. Now, just before I let you go, um, you obviously must be pretty excited about the, the March 3rd date for us here in Western Australia. Mm-hmm. What, what does that mean for the aviation industry, both in the short term as in now and in the long term? Well, short-term, passengers back on aeroplanes, that's mm. the big thing. Um, and, you know, we're going to see some very exciting fares in the, in the marketplace as airlines uh, try to kick it along and stimulate because mm. there'll mm. be some reluctance from some, from some folks. Um, so there'll be some fantastic fares in the marketplace to get people travelling again. Um, so I see it uh, being quite robust for quite some time. And, of course, moving into the northern summer, as we are, uh, people are really going to want to say, well, I do want to go to Europe, I do want to go to London, and mm. uh, I think there's going to be a lot of demand, a lot of demand. Okay, well, amazing. Lots to look forward to. Jeffrey. thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show, and we'll talk to you again next week. It's a pleasure. Well, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Because, Stephen, we've been writing so much about... Um electric vehicles in our motoring sections yeah. and now here we have Avier and Spirit getting on board oh, this look, it's phenomenal. partnership I've I, I just stopped myself from saying it's a giant leap but um, <laughs> it, it's an extraordinary leap in the technology I mean you know the, the car you know it's the smallest step to get cars moving um, you know and as 
as you know, I mean, I'm also motoring as a student. Mm. We've all mm. been very, very involved in that. We all work on both of these um, uh, areas, you and Moans, um, and, and I in particular, and Olga, all work in both motoring and travel. So we've, we've, we're watching this march of electric vehicles, which sort of makes sense, but to move it into aircraft is just a phenomenal. It step. is, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's mind-boggling. It mm. Incredible. Okay, Seymour, it's been great catching up with you. Um, well, the next few days, weeks and months are going to be incredibly exciting and we're going to have a whole heap to talk about in the show. Yeah, look, the next few days are very exciting because I'm, I'm going on holiday. I'm going back to Denmark. So that, is, that, is, that is scandalous. <laughs> scandalous. How can, you, how can you have a holiday? Uh, I honestly can't remember the last <laughs> holiday I had. Anyway, I've got a couple of days with my dear wife and great friends. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Well, you have a wonderful time and we look forward to catching up with you next week on the Pod Well Travelled. Talk to you next week, Will. Cheers.